Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Are you going to play that dastardly intro again? Oh, this movie's still fine. One of them dies, that goes screw. One of them's a hockey, his name is Jack. One of them looks like Johnny Depp, and his name is Johnny Depp. Classic Maximum Joseph. You forget that films are supposed to have a point. <laughs> Hello, welcome along to the worst city of all time, season three, episode four. A huge thank you to Christopher Brown. Once again. The real MVP, Chris Brown, Maximum Brown. Yeah, <laughs> it's good fun. Oh, it's good every time. Uh, how you doing? How how you living out there? Not you guy, everyone else. Good. Yeah, I'll speak good. on behalf of them. They're all doing well. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. My name's Tim Bat, and I just watched We Are Your Friends. What's yeah. your name? What'd you do? Exactly the same thing. Yes. My name is Trifinius. So much to talk about. Uh, The first thing we've got to get right up the top is uh, the fact that this episode is brought to you by Big Pipe Broadband. Bigpipe.co.nz is where you go to get their goodies. If you're in New Zealand, you're in luck. You have access to the world's greatest internet service provider. If you are outside of New Zealand, continue listening to this part of the podcast because we're about to tell you about a real cool fact. In New Zealand, we've got this great broadband provider called Big Pipe. And a lot of other broadband providers in New Zealand have uh, they're, they're what we call pro-throttling. Yes. Uh, prottling, where they'll come around and they'll either prod you with a cattle prod, a fiery, soldering hot cattle prod, or they'll throttle you with their hands. Uh, but Big Pipe have got a no-nonsense approach to this sort of stuff. Uh, they say, no thanks, that's not our policy. And uh, they're the only internet provider to actually have that written into their into their contracts. No throttling. So um, here's some actual testimonials. I've just gone on their website. Do you want some? What was wrong with my testimonial? Oh, we're not done. No, sorry. I thought no. I I am done. I just thought it was enough. Been awesome, and I'm pleased with my service. Writes William Tong eleven days ago. Setting up a connection was simple and straightforward. The speed on fiber is amazing too. Thanks, Marvin Stewart, also 11 days ago. <coughs> Sounds like Big good. Pipe just built a bot <laughs> 11 days ago. I would have thought that their uh, punctuation could be a little better if it was a bot then. Um, yeah, go to bigpipe.co.nz, get your internet These people there. were so excited by the internet service they were being provided, they stopped caring about punctuation. They just had to get the message out. It didn't matter how it looked. 
Now, the second thing I want to address is um, actually kind of unrelated to the movie, but I'm pretty sure Guy and I just saw a meteor flying through the sky. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's a sign that we're doing the right thing in the same way that the wise men saw a star, because they were kind of like, why, why do we keep hanging out together? Why is it always the four of us? Do you know what my... Um, Three of us. Thought one. <laughs> there was a fourth one uh, who didn't make it. He got lost. I mean, they were only following a star. What was his so, gift? Uh, it was an incense holder. Oh, that makes so much fucking sense. Yeah, I know. It would have provided, provided a lot of context. Frankincense, also funnily enough, the name of the guy carrying frankincense. Frank incense. Yeah, his parents had a real sense of humor. Do you know um, the guy who was carrying myrrh? That's actually a common misconception. He was a stand-up comedian. He was bringing mirth. Ah. But everyone it got he had a kind of mistranslated in the Bible incorrectly and stuff. Anyway, sorry, you were saying? Well, I don't know. I think we took we were taking some serious flights of fancy when watching the movie this week, Tim. We were having a lot of fun imagining different things that could have happened. Yeah, different uh, things that did happen. And I, yeah, and I think that somewhere along the way, my brain went a little bit off the rails, mm. or just I was living in a very elevated cinematic reality, and when I saw what is presumably a meteor mm. uh, go flying past. It's like, that's either a shooting star or it's bigger than that. I didn't yeah. think meteor. Well, and I watched it go, come fl- in like, I watched it go flying until it was out of our eyesight, like yeah. beneath the horizon or whatever. Yeah. And I was like waiting for the feel or sound of impact. I was like... So was I, man. That's a, that is, there's a plane or there's something from the yeah. skies and it's going down. That's why I paused the movie ever so briefly because I was like, fuck, man. <laughs> This ain't good. Or at least to see the power go out, but everything's all hunky-dory. That's mm. the thing with meteors. I think they pass through the atmosphere quite regularly, and they look very dramatic, but they don't do anything. Nothing. Nothing. A meteor's surely done something before. Oh, yeah. What's the plot of Armageddon? Is um, that an asteroid? Yeah. I think the only difference between the two is size, and it's definitely an asteroid. Where does a comet fit into that? Well, a comet never enters the atmosphere, I don't think. That's just... Uh, a body with a tail that you see in the outer in, in the outer spaces, isn't it? A body with a tail. Yeah, you know, an astral body with a tail, like a ghost. A lot of ghost talk this week. Um, oh, actually, do you know what we need to do? We need to take three steps backwards because um, I was on the subreddit the other day, uh, r slash twioat for those curious. And they were saying uh, they've got no idea what happens in the movie. And we're up to episode four. We've we've got to attempt at least a semblance of a blow-by-blow of the plot, which I thought we had covered, but I guess maybe we'd skipped over. I don't know how some like a maggot for you, you idiots. <laughs> There's four guys. They all live in the valley. Go beat by beat. There's so many beats and there's so what's, much more exciting stuff to talk about. What's the... Okay. Well, we'll... We'll try. We'll try and do it in five minutes, okay? Okay. Whole whole movie. So we open on our favorite fuck boys hanging out, being explained to us the geography and importance of the San Fernando Valley, where it is, what it does, how to get the best sushi in the Western Hemisphere. Then that's, that's all conjecture. The boys are getting ready for a night on the piss. They're all real excited to be uh, promoting and for Zicoli to be DJing the side room. At like some mediocre electronic dance music club in the valley. Uh, they're like no, they're- I think that's in proper LA. I think it's like downtown, isn't it? 
They live in the valley. James Reed wouldn't be caught dead DJing at a club in the valley. No, you're probably right, actually. Yeah, and they so, do talk about getting taxis back from Silver Lake. They go to... So the kind of opening thing is they're in a college, they're flyering out, they're very pumped up about getting people to come because they get paid per the amount of people that they bring they into the club. They get paid $5 a head. Yeah. Which is pretty they're fucking like, good. They're like cattle. They work hard to promote the gig, though. They do. And so then we're getting drunk, then we're going to the gig in Squirrel's mom's and, station wagon. And what we know before we know all this, like we, we know that they've got these boys have got a lot riding on the success of Zicoli, and Zicoli's probably the most ambitious out of all of them. He wants to be a big DJ. Uh, he's got a very aggressive friend called Jarhead, who is a huge advocate and proponent of this idea and sort of champions it to people who aren't necessarily interested in listening. Uh, and just by virtue of being at the same gig, uh, James Reed, superstar DJ, and Zakoli wind up smoking some weed together and taking some PCP outside the club and going to a party. Zakoli wakes up at James Reed's house. James Reed's like, Last night you're talking a lot of shit about how good you're at DJing. Play me some music. And Zakoli's like, Okay. He plays that. And James Reed's like, No, oh, it's not very good. Uh, and then it's also, but also, uh, James Reed's dating. Uh, Emily Radzikowski, I'll get it right one day, uh, and and she drops off Zakoli, and then they begin a working relationship. James Reed and Zakoli, a love triangle ensues. Zakoli becomes a massive <laughs> superstar. That's pretty good, man. And you got time to burn, baby. Yeah, you did great. There's that's, of- that's essentially it. The only major plot point you missed, which is an easy one, is that midway through, the boys get a job at a real estate firm which they don't realise it at the time, but it's this predatory establishment where a guy called Paige is in charge and he's mates with Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is in the fuckboy quad. Uh, He's a drug dealer, but he's cool, so don't worry about it. He wants to be an actor. So he manages to get them all a job at Paige's outfit and what they're doing is they're actually preying on people whose banks are foreclosing on their houses because they couldn't keep up with mortgage payments and then they swoop in and offer them like pennies on the dollar for what their house is worth because they're getting evicted anyway. So they can either end up with nothing if the bank forecloses on them outright or they can take like a $20,000 check from uh, Paige. Yeah, and Paige is kind of pivoted through the story. He's not a good guy. He's captain of the... Uh, but he's not bad enough to be a real bad guy either. Oh, he's a pretty bad guy, though. He's captain of the softball team. He's so what? he's social captain at the at the office, yeah. Is he really? That's why he's swinging around that softball bat that's the whole time the... he's giving that speech. See, I thought that was kind of a menacing nah, prop that That's he why uses. the speech is quite efficient and punchy, because he's like, look, anyway, welcome to, welcome to the jungle, boys. I've got to get back get out on, the on that diamond. I've got to get back out on the diamond. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, too. Bottom Good of the eighth. I shouldn't have left. <laughs> I'm going to get fired as captain. Bases are loaded and so am I. I like to drink PCP while I play. <laughs> A lot of PCP in this movie. Every second person's on PCP. Also, for our New Zealand listeners and any fans of like uh, early 2000s New Zealand guitar <laughs> rock, you'll notice that the name of the superstar DJ in the movie, James Reed, uh, is also the name of the frontman. Uh, presumably predominant songwriter of very popular New Zealand hugely successful hugely successful and popular New Zealand rock band The Feelers now uh, the, it's it, this is quite the funny spelling's different that it took us four goes for you I didn't even it was kind of in the back recesses of my mind that it was a familiar name but you were like that's why this is funny <laughs> he's got the same name as the front man from The Feelers who um a storied history and quite a figure of folklore in certain New Zealand circles for a few reasons. 
is uh, I think had periods of being pretty good at drinking and then pretty bad. <laughs> it's like they on tour. They drew inspiration for the DJ character James Reed from the real James Reed. If I was a lawyer, I would be calling up James Reed of the Feelers right now and saying we've got a case for defamation. Fuck! Imagine that if James Reed from New Zealand from the Feelers tried to sue this Zac Efron <laughs> vehicle yeah. for uh, for defamation. Fuck, that'd be good. Ah, oh, I would bankroll that. If I had any money. <laughs> <laughs> what a plans, brilliant thing to plans. invest in that would be. Um, so, but you know, you get to the fourth watch and you start noticing things you didn't notice the first time. The, um, that was one of them. What? The, the softball. James, the James Reed thing. Oh, the James Reed thing. Yeah, and the softball angle. And um, also, like, uh, James Reed gives. Zicoli a speech when he finds out that Zicoli has had sex with his uh, yeah. assistant slash girlfriend. Um, That's which part we, of the love triangle unfeeling for those of you who, who are struggling to keep up with yeah, uh, this is that about, reference points. It's about at the two-thirds mark. It's the, it's the sort of the all is lost moment of the film. Um, but we had kind of glossed over how serious what he says in that bathroom brawl is because first he yeah. totally decks Zicoli, just fucking lays him out. And, yeah, um, and also Zicoli has had sex with his girlfriend. Mm. Uh, and also, I think the reason that he gets beat up so badly is less about that and more about just the idiocy. And I can't emphasize this enough. I'll probably mention it every week. Of oh, having a one-night mm-hmm. stand with someone who you're friends with's girlfriend and having a cute photo of yourself, you sit, you too. And First then, of all, don't take the selfie. Don't take photos. But if you're going to... Put it somewhere safe, and we're not trying to lay out a game plan for how, for for anyone, for how to be a dastardly human being, but just and this is basic stuff. Don't take photos and then store them as the photo for when someone calls you. Like, especially if you hang out with this dude all the time, and if you do that, have the fucking brains about you to keep your phone in your pocket, never leave it on the table when you go to the bathroom in a one-on-one interaction with the person you've betrayed, unless unless you're looking for a plot device in your yeah. own life. And in which case, you should follow all the steps yeah, Zicoli did. That's right. Or even not in your own life, but if you're writing a movie mm. and you're struggling to create conflict between these characters <laughs> living in a... I am at maximum, Joseph. There is no more to give. I've had it up to my eyeballs and myself. This is the only plot device I can come up with. That's there are a few moments watching it. the movie this week where I felt like maximum Joseph... Maybe it wasn't so maximum Joseph after all. Maybe he was me more, more medium to minimum Joseph. Just a few... Uh, Fourth, you know, the fourth watch uh, plot holes or gaffes, embarrassing gaffes, huge embarrassing wardrobe gaff. Uh, they all go to a music festival in Las Vegas and some poor lackey down in the wardrobe department has uh, accidentally slapped a LA singlet on Zac Efron in, in Las Vegas. I mean, Bam, minimum Joseph. <laughs> what a boo-boo. Anyway, and he, Maximum Joseph's just been like, well, no one's probably going to notice that. We'll just have him partying in Las Vegas in this LA singer the whole time. Guess what? You didn't anticipate him watching this movie four times, did you, <laughs> motherfucker? I see through you. <laughs> gotcha, Maximum Joseph. Um, I can't think of a single other thing. This movie is literally perfect. Does anything come to mind for you? Uh, uh, there was, <laughs> yeah, some missed opportunities. Uh, well, we did talk at the end about... Um, so Zac Efron, like, there's a there's a lot of conversation to try and, like, embed the movie in sort of, uh, w- or imbue it with the in- integrity, you know, specific to the music that's being created. Because it's like, it is meant to be about, 
you know, his passion and love of creating electronic dance music. Yes, sir. Uh, and so him and James Reed have a few conversations where James Reed's like, imitation is suicide. You got to have a natural organic sound and like start showing him instruments. And by the way, I think I um, spotted another improvised scene between... <laughs> Uh, I think it, we'll add it to the pile. Yeah, there's. I think it's called the weekly improvisation, and I think a few of these scenes were clearly improvised. And this one, a lot of it was cut. God knows why, but uh, an improvised conversation between Zakoli and James Reed about different things that David Bowie did as a musician. I think also to try and lend it a sense of um, musical integrity. It starts off because it's a scene where James Reed takes Zakoli into his studio yeah. in his house, and he's got all these crazy. Uh, instruments um, like he's got a wheel it's a keyboard do you call it a keyboard like an know. electric piano I don't know what the technical and then they bust out some weird um, like proto synth instrument the name <laughs> of which I can't remember and then Zakoli's like David Bowie used one of these in Space Oddity to which all of us 19 year olds in the audience are supposed to go whoa Zakoli <laughs> knows his fucking shit bruh but to which James, that is a deep cut yeah, to which James, David Bowie that like far-flung fringe artists that my parents listen to because they're super hip. Oh, damn. And that lesser-known B-side of his space oddity. Wow. Turn on a whole new generation of Bowie listeners. What a knowledgeable dude. But James Reed, being the improviser he is, returns the volley to Zaccoli and says, yes, and David Bowie painted a lightning bolt on his face at one point in his music career. And Zaccoli goes... Yes, and did you know that David Bowie isn't his real birth name? Yes. His name is Davy Jones. And do you know that Space Oddity wasn't the only time he sang about space? And the scene just goes on and on, and for whatever reason, Maximum Joseph was feeling pretty minimum when he was in the edit room because he, he cut all that for time. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff that got lost the on original, the cutting room floor here. Yeah. And some garbage that's stayed in. But the original point I was going to make is, so they're trying to uh, sort of speak to how badly Zach everyone wants to make this song, which is going to speak to everyone. And uh, a lot of it is he starts noticing things happening in his real life that he can record and put into a song. It's like, and that's what means stuff to him. Uh, and at one point he's going for a run and this is towards the end or the climax of the film and his phone dies and suddenly he starts hearing everything around him, the crackle of the electric wires above him or the birds or his friend putting a nail gun in the roof. Or a helicopter. Or a helicopter. And he records all of them on his phone. And then he's like, oh, that's what he means. That's the song I have to make. And go home and like in this wave of inspiration, slaps the whole song together. Mm. And I think the reason that the song fails so badly at the end of the movie is it needed a tight edit. Well... That's a very generous interpretation of what the song needed. I think the whole thing is garbage. That whole track at the end. Because the movie glides by on being an an okay film. And it, if that track had been awesome, like, you know, you could have been looking at a solid 60, 64% Rotten Tomatoes, I reckon. Rotos. 64 Rotos out of a hundy. But they really flubbed it on that track, which is what everything's leading to. And you just left going, yeah. Oh. But the thing is, Zac Efron does a good job of catching, like, of acting out 
the feeling of being inspired and how excited it is to put it all together. Yeah. But the thing is, yeah, because I've been inspired before and I'm sure you have as well. And sometimes you get super inspired and you write all the stuff down or you'll, you know, you'll put it. You paint it. Yeah. You put you it may. in whatever filing system it is. I'm a gifted painter. And then what you do is you sleep on it and you come back to it the next day and mm. you're like, oh, that's a shame. Like, I'm sure I was onto something, but that is... And that didn't happen. That is a, an absolute crime scene. He slapped <laughs> he slapped some, some art together in his laptop, um, which consisted of a recording of a coin uh, turning on a table, his mate giving him some pretty mediocre advice, which means nothing to anyone. It's only significant to him because he died. Squirrel died. So there's a sample of that. A voice message from Sophie, who's on her, out of her head on drugs at the time. Uh, what else have we got in there? A fucking shoddily put together electrical grid, which, if anything, is just a symbol of the crumbling infrastructure of America. Like, the, the whole thing, and if it means anything to anyone, is just about how we fail all the time. The anthemic uh, verbal hook for the song uh, is a quote from Squirrel and sort of a quite a blue conversation they're having at a sushi restaurant where he says... Not sexually blue. Blue yeah. is in depressing. He says, are we ever going to be better than this? And uh, let me tell you, Tim, if I was a music critic at the uh, festival, yeah, I'll tell you what, the headline of my uh, review of the festival, or specifically Zakoli set would be... Yes. Would be, in bold, are we ever going to be better than this? I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the review, it would contain the words, self-indulgent. Slammed. Absolutely hammered you. And you would you would throw that into Noisy, uh, Vice's little sub-music site, if memory serves. Yes. Collect your $7 paycheck from them, and now you're a blogger, mate. That's and right. And now we're going to make a movie about you. <laughs> Let the circle jerk continue. There's another thing I wanted to uh, remind you of, Tim, which was that you uh, had a wave of inspiration during the film that you think a really good band name uh, would oh, be... Yeah. Hold on, I'll see if I can remember it because it's just based entirely on the line that James Reed says to Zicoli. Um Something bodies and oh no, nah, I'm not going to remember it. What is it? Janky rig and the gyrating twins. Yeah, because he buys them at, at uh, James Reed buys Zicoli a MacBook. Jesus, you're right. You just smashed your elbow <laughs> oh, no. onto the wall with excitement. I had an idea for a... yeah, but is your arm okay? Dad? Yeah, I'm fine. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And I'm brave, but good <laughs> okay. boy. Uh, I had an idea for a, a, a weekly segment at this moment, by the way, okay. in the film. Uh, it's called Getting Sentimental with James Reed. <laughs> uh, Please the, tell me more. The line in the Hold f- on, I'll finish my thought first. <laughs> So he buys him a MacBook and he says, I just cu- I couldn't, um, I couldn't deal with the image of uh, you with that janky rig in front of all those dry riding t- tweens. And I'm like, it's fucking, this killer name for a music duo. Janky rig there's and a few, gyrating There's a tweens. few uh, whippersnapper lines of dialogue uh, that come through in the film. But yeah, the, my, the notion for getting sentimental with James Reed, and you have power of veto on this. Is uh, can, you, can you make up a um, sting for it verbally on the spot? I'm going to try and hit a button. <coughs> can you go? Getting sentimental. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Try it again. Getting sentimental with James Reed. <laughs> the button thing didn't work, but you sounded great. Thanks. So pretty much he comes into the room uh, and he says, I got a little, I may have gotten a little sentimental. <laughs> and he's carrying a plastic bag with a box inside of it. Yeah. Uh, and this week, what I thought was inside the box, when he said, I'm, I'm The box, which on the outside has a picture of a MacBook. This, it says MacBook on this it is what ma- Apple logo. This is what makes it so precious and so sentimental. So he walked in and he said, I may have gotten a little sentimental and hands him an Apple bag with a MacBook Pro box inside it, knowing full well how much he wants a new MacBook Pro. And then he opens it and he says, it's my hair. And it's just full of different bits Jesus of hair. Christ. And he's chopped off and put in a box. That's not right, mate. That and, is not right. And each week we could uh, we could, we could say what sentimental uh, gesture yeah. we think James Reed has made towards Zicoli. Don't know if that one's going to stay with us <laughs> or much like the meteor we saw this evening, die in a flash of brilliance <laughs> against the atmosphere, which is episode number uh, four. <laughs> You wish it was episode number six. Yeah. <laughs> you greedy fucking bastard. It really, I tell you what, the, the, the gears are starting to slow down a little bit now because it was it got to, um, what bit of the movie was it where I flicked on to see the timeline to see where we were up to? And uh, it, was it, was about between, it was between one third and one half of the movie. Time slowed down. I can't remember what the scene was, but uh, hey, I think it was after, chances to catch after Zakali's homophobic gear had bombed at the Stanford party. I think it was the intro, like when they first get to the Stanford party, actually. No, it's, it's after he's. It's after that. It's after that joke tanks and they're looking out over the city. It's a well shot shot. A lot of the movies well shot. It's really good. It's it's a, it's a tight. It's kind of a two shot on them, but sort of silhouetted. And then in the because they're on the um, sort of crest of a vet, they're up. The, they're on a hill. Yeah. And they're looking out against other hills on the other side, and all the lights are kind of in soft focus. <laughs> Just I think it's called Moray or something. It reminded me of uh, I have once sat on a hill above like a flat expanse of land of city in mm-hmm. Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what hill were you on? I was in the Port Hills. Oh, that makes sense. Looking down over um, the Canterbury Plains. The Canterbury Plains. Oh no, the the lights like this lights of the twinkling lights of Christchurch uh, underneath and- all that smog. Underneath all that smog, but uh, and in a wave of inspiration, my friends and I envisioned all of the lights as they were in the Los Angeles shot that the Moray shot that you like so much. I like that, but because I'd had some weed and I'd only just discovered how much fun it is to smoke weed, I thought that all of the lights made really crude formations of dicks and that the civic planners 
from years ago who had plotted the lights of Christchurch <laughs> had just put like a crude outline of a dick on every block. And nice. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Good on you, Christchurch. Yeah. You're a young city. And I mean that in all senses of the word because people had dicks everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You're like a little 11 year old with a, a vivid. It's vintage. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You have a yeah. shining light? Yeah, I had a couple. I'm trying to remember what they were. Oh, I know what it was. It was when um, <clears throat> Zuccoli comes to the outside of the club and he's smoking a spliff and he sees James Dean uh, read. <laughs> Not James Dean, <laughs> though. <laughs> that would be freaky and kind of awesome. But he sees James Dean. Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> he sees James Reed instead. That's that's sticking around. That's in my head now, so that's not going anywhere. Um, and he says to James Reed, "Do you smoke?" And James Reed just says, "Yes, I do." And he says it just like that. I think I actually yeah, nailed that intonation. Very good job. And I just really like his delivery on that. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. It's uh, it's everything that the Johnny Depp character is supposed to be in this movie. Um, but we don't. He do, he says like half of one syllable in each scene, so we don't get enough time to flesh him out. James yeah, Reed on he the other mostly hand. just sells drugs, yeah, and wrests control of the deeds the to people's is, houses from what, them. What is up with Johnny Depp shaving his moustache off? He probably booked another gig because you know how they shoot all movies chronologically. Yeah, he probably booked another gig yeah. and was like, "Hey, we're about to wrap on this. I've really got to." There's think. two bits of the movie where they go to great pains to explain someone's face, what's going on with their face, and it never comes back. And the first is right in the opening where Zac Efron has to tell you where he got his scar that's on his uh, left, no, sorry, right uh, eyebrow that he got into a fight. That's right up top, right up top, and then. When uh, our man Johnny Depp's facial hair changes, that gets addressed in some dialogue as well. I don't fucking even pay attention to what he looked at, looked like the first time I saw him. You wouldn't have known. Wouldn't have known at all. And even if I did, I'd be like, oh, he fucking had a shave. All right. But they do this big song and dance about it. It's called dialogue. No, but if your dialogue is supposed to be for no. a reason. But in a movie, it's supposed to mean something. There's supposed to be some create, symbolism. It, it was for realism. If you If you were with your friend... And that you you were picking them up in the car, and they were coming down to get in the car, and they'd like done something drastic to change the look of their face. Someone that you see every day, you'd be like, "Hey, that thing on your face has changed." So then, the point of it in the film would be to kind of build this friendship, this relationship, right? Well, because it's before they have a big fight. I guess so. Maybe he doesn't like him without the mustache. Well. Fuck, I don't know. I feel like there's better ways of doing that than shaving the dude's face and then mention and then talking about it. I think what they tried to do, and I reckon this got lost in the edit, is it, it was kind of like because um, they mentioned how he's wearing a leather jacket in the summer um, early on in the movie. So he's established as a cool guy. Like if anyone's actually James Dean, it's fucking Johnny Depp. <laughs> so later, I think what's happening is as he's falling deeper into the corporate cesspit of Page's emporium of, of yeah, uh, yeah. vulture debt deals. It's a symbol of that. It's supposed to be like, he's gone from this uber cool dude who wears leather jackets in the summertime and has a goatee to uh, a fucking sellout who wears a shirt and shaves his goddamn face. I reckon that's what it's supposed to be. But there's not enough there for you to get that unless you've watched it four times and are trying to assemble some meaning. Yeah. 
I I can't uh, I can't disagree with any of the points you made then. I'm um, spitballing. You did um, good. Throwing it out there. What was your shining light? Uh, my shining light was a beautiful piece of foreshadowing mm-hmm. that I hadn't noticed previously. Another fourth watch find or hashtag FWF. Um, when Zac Efron is saying one... Oh, no, sorry, this is different. <laughs> There's just... There's a funny thing. So many good moments. Yeah, so many moments. But no, the, thing it was, the thing was at one point, and you barely see it when they're driving in the car at the start of the movie, they drive past a billboard that has the uh, design and logo for su- like a Summerfest billboard. Uh, and it's like only half the billboard. It's only in frame for about a second maybe. And I saw it and I was like, oh, wow. I mean, they've absolutely fluffed it because <laughs> no one would notice that. But they're really making a thing of Summerfest existing. I guess that's the thing of the difference between like a um, director of photography and an editor and what can get lost in between them. Because the DOP, I bet, was like, fuck, this is going to pay dividends. This is <laughs> this is a, a good shot. And we're like alluding to what's happening later in the movie. I'm a fucking genius. And the editor's just been like, oh, I don't know, fucking, we need to tighten this up. <laughs> what's that? What's that shit billboard? We only need that for a split second. Yeah, that's ugly. Who did the design on that? What is Summerfest? That's a terrible name for a festival. And then someone's like, no, no. It's a real festival, <laughs> dude. And the name of that festival is Maximum Joseph's Baby. He spent hours working on that exact title for the festival. He was cooking on that. He drank a whole bunch of PCP and then he ran over to his brand new MacBook that his mentor had given him. Who would Maximum Joseph's mentor be? Steven Spielberg. Probably. Known for his adventures in reality television mm. and social commentary. Known for, for both of those things. Indiana Jones, the portrait of an archaeologist. Yeah. was a beautiful film right, series. Actually, no, I read I read an interview um, with Max Joseph last week, and in it he was talking about mentorship and how uh, after he released Catfish, Steven Spielberg sent him a, a box, like a MacBook Pro box, and it was just filled with all of his... Um, like nails, like his toenails. Real Howard like Hughes style. Kept them in a jar and he Fuck. poured them onto a MacBook Pro box and sent it to him. So that sort of checks out. With, with a card that said, I may I've, have gotten a little <laughs> sentimental, yours truly, Steven Spielberg. And also inside the box was a copy of Super System, a great city by the feelers. <laughs> <laughs> the feelers <laughs> of emotion. <laughs> You said that in the way that you're supposed to deliver the aristocrats at the end of that joke. <laughs> the feelers. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say before we probably, how long have we been talking for? Half hour. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, everyone, I don't know, if, did I mention this on the friend zone? What? Oh, yeah, I did. I, I don't know what you're about to say. Oh, well, I was just thinking because it's... The nature it's, of this podcast, guys, that yeah, I have yeah. no idea what is about to come out of your mouth it's at any given like, moment. I was just I just remembered it's quite late at night. I've got to fly I've got to leave in the morning and I've got uh all of my underwear trapped. Oh yeah, in yeah. A, we in did a talk about that in the yeah. So yeah. S- since you joined us last, <laughs> there's been a whole movie in the way and as far as we know, the underwear <laughs> is unchanged. It is still a, yeah. sitting in that is is it dried at least? Or is it Well, it doesn't smell like it's dry. like my f- flatmate, uh very good friend of mine called Oscar said a lovely boy when we moved when i moved in he was like hey man just so you know like it says washer dryer 
but I'm pretty, I don't know that the drive function works. Like I don't really use it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And sort of abided that. And then tonight when I was like, oh, I couldn't bother going to the laundromat. I was like, I'll try and use the drive function. Mm. And I've discovered why yeah. you're not meant to, because it traps. There's like some weird gremlin who lives in there who I just loves don't feasting so, on damp socks and undies. Walk me through the machinery. Clean, but damp. How is it that you can't open the door? It's a front loader. Yeah. It's so has like it a, got like a locking mechanism yeah. on it? Yeah. So it's got like, it's quite, it's doesn't come out from the handle heaps, but inside the right center right hand part of the handle, like mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. what is it, circumference of the circle, uh, there's like a little button that you push in, which opens the door, but yeah. you push it in and nothing happens. It's like still rigid shut. And then, I mean, beyond that, You've tried gym the thing. I've changed, I've put it on different cycles yeah. so that it would be like try and reset it out oh, of drying okay. mode. Yeah. I've unplugged it and plugged it back in. Someone on Twitter told me to do that. See, you would think that Samsung and all their wisdom would have a thing where if you pulled it out of the wall, it would like unlock, mm. you know, like some doors do so that things aren't trapped like people or underwear. Very unlikely. Yeah, you wouldn't want any people being trapped in there. Certainly not. Imagine if you put a cat in there or something. <laughs> you can get it out. It'd be the had worst a bunch of, of all. PCP world. with James Reed, and <laughs> you like came to quite quickly. So you, were, oh, I'm just going to put him in a wee tumble dry just to dry him off because he fell in the pool. And then you're like, this is a bad idea. So you turn it off and you unplug it, but the fucking cat's still trapped in there. Oh, hor- at, real horror story. At least it would have clean underwear to wear. But what I was going to say as a sort of final thought, which we thought of, which was funny, was um, Zac Efron is very convinced of the notion that one... I don't y- like you prefacing something by saying which we thought was funny. Well, we did. Know, what, it, what was it? Are you afraid it won't be funny now? Yeah, I am. I am a sober light of, of day. Very afraid of that. Uh, that's quite a natural fear. That is what it is to go on stage with a new joke every time. Um, it's when Zacoli's convinced that all you need is like one track. He's like, all you need is one track, one song, and you can. And the, like the reason for this logic is pretty much because he says it's your friend, ticket to yeah, everything. Well, and the reason he believes this so firmly is because his friend Johnny Depp said told him about the guy who invented Instagram and sold it for a bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, one track, it's a, it'll change everything. It's your ticket ticket to anywhere. Yeah. Ticket to everything. And then uh, just flash forward to Zaccoli at the airport, <laughs> walking up to the check-in for a flight to Ibiza saying, hello, I'm here for the flight to Ibiza. And they say, okay, have you got your ticket? And he goes, I sure do. And just takes out a smartphone and starts playing the song he's made. <laughs> so you absolutely cannot travel on the back <laughs> of that song. We're going to need to see some immigration papers. No, you this don't understand. Terrible. Goes up to the lotto desk after a $27 million Powerball and says, I believe you have something of mine. You want to know? <laughs> I'm not indulging that thought, guy. Do you know what's occurred to me? I watched you. I watched you tune out, think of something interesting to say yourself, and then re-enter the something room. Something came to me. <laughs> something came to me. I didn't go looking for it. It found me. Man, you need to take some improv lessons from the fucking heroes in this movie because that was savage. I'm so sorry I left you out in the cold there. But what I want to say is it's funny... Because the shit track that he plays at James Reed's house to he and Sophie when James Reed's got the massive hangover after the PCP party, that's a better track than the one he actually ends the movie on. If he played that at Summerfest, I'd be like, well, it's cheesy, but yep, that's a that's a EDM track. 
I still think he should have just played U2's Beautiful Day. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. And taken outright credit for it. All the yeah. young gyrating tweens wouldn't have known the band. No, they're too young for U2. Whoa, this is experimental. And he, he, he starts going by the stage name uh, Vono Box <laughs> just to fuck with him. I still maintain that Beautiful Day is like undeniably a fire hot track. I'll deny it then. I'll take the fucking bait. Cannot fail to uplift any person. It's just, I think. The heart is a globe. I think that's the line. <laughs> There's a lot of lines in that in that song, and half of them are probably. Whoa, whoa. No, you're singing Elevation. <laughs> <laughs> a mole I'm- digging in a hole. Great job. Great fucking job. <laughs> You didn't write a lyric. You were watching a David Attenborough documentary, <laughs> falling asleep. You woke up and thought you had an idea. <laughs> so now Bono Vox is a man who gets struck by inspiration, quickly writes it down, releases it to a record label, and it actually makes some money. Yeah. He's a dude who that comes together You'll for. You'll even it. notice in that anecdote, though, he slept on the idea. That's a good point. Even he's got the edge to check his working. <laughs> Let's take it to the edge. Do you that's what the edge's, <laughs> the edge's wife says before they have sex? I hope so. I hope that I hope that kind of stuff is happening. In the I hope I live on a planet where that kind of stuff's happening. The edge from you two, his spouse still hasn't got over the fact that his stage name is the edge and is cracking real terrible puns before coitus just for a laugh. And definitely for herself, he's not enjoying it either. He's just nah, like, oh, God. fucking hell, Martha, I thought we were past this. We went to couples counselling on the 80th it. time it's he rolled this out. It's worth it for Martha because of how deeply it tickles her. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. And, and he his, agreed. His frustration is part of the humour. He agreed when they were in the, the trust nest that she, she gets some liberties because he's always on tour and a relationship is about give and take. Absolutely. So that's the compromise. The Edge is allowed to go on tour with his little mate Bono and all the other little U2ers. Who are the other members of U2? <laughs> Who fucking knows? Who knows? I'd hate to be them. Do you, do you reckon, it's not even one of those bands reckon, where everyone knows the front man and no one else. you got Bono and The Edge and I'm, some other I'm guys. thinking of Bono and The Edge coming off stage after a gig and the bass player and the guitar is like, hey, awesome gig, Bono and The Edge. And they're like, hey, yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bono and the Edge don't know. <coughs> yeah, cheers, boys. We'll see you in the lobby in the morning. With lyrics like a mole digging in a hole, I actually wouldn't put it past Bono that he has coasted on dude and bro and man for the other two band members this entire time. He uh, has to carry around an album with him the whole time so he can look in the liner notes to remember what their names are. They're so infrequently spoken. All right, great job out there. Uh, Brian? It's Ryan. Oh, fuck, I don't have my specs on. I heard tell that at one gig at Hyde Park, Bono sang every song off of the liner notes. Just he was singing it from the sleeve notes of a cassette. (laughs) A cassette of boy. Look, I think it's a good place to leave it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Hey, well, um, the next few, you're going to be coming to us via satellite in Aussie? Yeah. I'm going to be... Something uh, to look forward to. I'm gonna update. Oh, up- tell the people yeah. of Aussie we are. I'm mate. gonna update yeah. my uh, my comedy website, which is available at guymontcomedy.com. 
uh, with all of the dates, but I'm going on the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Roadshow. God, bravo for that. We're going URL as oh, well. Oh, mate, it's a Piper, not URL. Uh, big shout out to Will Vink, by the way. Uh, fan of the podcast, very good friend of mine who actually built the website. It's a fucking sexy looking website. It is. Uh, for that. But yeah, we. Uh, I'm going through like all weird small Australian towns. So if you're in them, I'll put the info up there. Uh, East Coast towns: Ballarat, Bendigo, Ararat. They really sound made up, don't they? They do sound Australia. like not real places. Just going to yeah. grab a train out to Wollongong. It's like this is a fucking kids' book name. That's a good. Who are you going to visit out there, Doctor Zeus? Come on, the feelers. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Do you want any more details on there, guy? Uh, I'm just so happy. I want to acknowledge <laughs> the hard work of our sponsors, and by hard work, I mean hard money of our sponsors, Big Pipe. Again, if you're in New Zealand, get them. Otherwise, we'll see you real soon on probably the friend zone. I love you, and we're gonna go out on that just bloody excellent uh, track that Christopher Brown has made for us. So, so long. Farewell. We must be on our way. Off you just saying goodbye. Are you going to play that dastardly intro again? again. Ow! This movie's still fine. There's a Coley One of them dies. That guy's screw. One of them's a hottie. His name is Jackie. One of them looks like Johnny Depp and his name is Johnny Depp. Classic Maximum Joseph. You forget that films are supposed to have a point. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.